Hey everybody, this is Lance Dixon from St. Mary's University in Calgary. Today I am pleased to introduce to you Peter Worsley. Peter is a reintegration chaplain who helps prisoners find the spiritual and practical support they need to transition back into life in the city. It had long been a request of the Calgary Diocese to highlight the important ministry being done among the incarcerated population in our city and I was pleased to have finally found the opportunity in the midst of all the upheaval during this pandemic to catch up with Peter at his home, where he was sheltering in place with his son and grandkids. Our conversation, as you will hear, quickly moved to the greatest challenge he has faced working with convicts and criminals, and his answer may surprise you. It certainly raised important questions about freedom and friendship as we look into the faces of the unforgivable. I hope you enjoy this episode of Finding Faith. Uh, Peter, thank you again for taking your time to be with us. And I'm speaking to you in the midst of a pandemic, and I'm interested to know uh, what does prison ministry look like right now for you? How how does that work? I know a lot of different institutions are locked down. Um, it kind of takes on a whole new meaning, I would suppose, in terms of prison ministry. And, and how are you navigating all that? Yeah, it's been an interesting time for sure. And we've had to be a little creative ourselves. Um, most of the stuff uh, in connecting with people in prison uh, has been through mail. Of course, we're not able to go into the prison any longer. I've sent in Easter cards at Easter to about 20 of the guys that I work with in that went into three different institutions, federal institutions. And as far as for working with guys in the community, it's through telephone, uh, text messaging, sometimes WhatsApp, or a simple phone call as well. Uh, a lot of the times that's all it is. Also, I've set up a Zoom meeting for this Saturday morning to do a reflection with several of the guys that have come out of prison and a few of people from the community uh, that wanted to participate in that. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at ways to be creative. We're not allowed to be in contact directly. Uh, none of the face-to-face -face stuff are going for a coffee, which used to be the norm. And that would take up a, a fair bit of time. Usually to have a coffee, you can sit for an hour or so, right? Chatting and having a coffee and a bagel or whatever. And now when you're on the phone, it might be 20 minutes to a half an hour is what I find the phone calls be. So it's uh, less time. Uh, and it seems to be working out okay, though. I'm probably working about half time, I'd say, right now from home. And how long have you been involved in, in prison ministry? I started this job back in 2003, so it's been 17 years. It'll be 17 years this June. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So 17 years now, that's, um, that's a relatively long time to invest in what I would imagine is a, is a pretty emotionally challenging ministry. There's no doubt um, a lot of very difficult uh, stories and circumstances that you're, you're called into. Uh, so I'm interested to hear if we kind of start at that moment 17 years ago, when you first walked into a, a prison, how did you get into the prison ministry? What motivated you to do this? Well, well, we've got to go back probably about more than 20 years, I'd say. And at one point in my life, I was working with the Red Cross. And uh, 
one night I had this dream uh, where I was being taken into a prison by my cousin who had done time several times. And in the dream, he was taking me in to work with prisoners. I was quite excited. And uh, in the dream, I came across this huge swimming pool in the prison that the guys, uh, prisoners were packed into the pool like sardines. They were standing next to each other and could hardly move. And in my dream, I was quite excited. And I thought, oh, I said to my cousin, I'm going to work with all of those guys. And he said, no, you're not. He said, follow me. And we walked a little further and we came to another pool and there were probably half a dozen guys swimming around in the pool. And he said to me, you're going to work with those guys. And I woke up and I was so disappointed. It was a a very emotional response to my dream. And I immediately said to God, God, are you calling me to work with prisoners? And uh, nothing happened for a few years. Um, I was still working with the Red Cross. My wife and I went and did some missionary work with the Spirit and Fathers down in Mexico. And we came back to Calgary. And at that time, um, I had a friend who was the social justice coordinator for the diocese. And she told me there was a job with Mennonite Central Committee working with men and women coming out of prison. And I immediately thought of my dream. So I applied, and here I am. <laughs> wow, that is an amazing story. Are you still in touch with um, this? Uh, was it your, did you say your, your relative? Your, 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 oh, my, he's passed away since then, yeah. He passed yeah. away, wow. Yeah. But he was aware that you had gone into prison ministry. Uh, he would have been aware of that. Yes, I would have probably spoken with him or one of his siblings at one time or another. He didn't live here in Calgary, but up around Carolina or Rocky Mountain House. Mm-hmm. And I would have connected with him mm-hmm. or a sibling regarding it. So he would have been aware probably of the, of the story mm-hmm. to some degree anyway. Wow. So after you found yourself in this ministry, responding to this very compelling and powerful word that God gave you through uh, through this dream, what has been the greatest challenge for you doing this ministry? Hmm. The greatest challenge, I think, probably it's the system itself, the correctional system itself, uh, can be very dehumanizing, and people working in it can either be very good and very helpful with guys, or they can be very jaded. And if they're very jaded, it's uh, difficult on the guys that are trying to make changes in their lives. And I, I would have to add one uh, caveat is in the sense that I work, just like in my dream, with a small portion of the guys that are in prison. I'm working with guys that are attending chapel, which is probably maybe 8% of the total inmate population will go to chapel and have some sort of a spiritual life while they're in prison. And I'm working with that percentage of people. So the guys I'm working with are really trying to make changes in their life. Um, and uh, I believe that their lives have been touched by God and they're responding to that call. So when they're trying really hard to turn things around, and if they're getting put down or their efforts are minimized um, by people within the system, it's really discouraging especially when I see guys from a different angle and I don't think that they're just out to reoffend and pull the wool over somebody's eyes. They're actually looking at coming back into the community and doing something positive with their lives. So that's the most challenging thing I would say is just the attitude of some people in the system and probably even in the community, I'd say, 
regarding prisoners, or at least the ones that I work with. I I want to come back to I, I want to come back to that. Um, yes, I I think that's an important thing for us to hear a little bit more and reflect on. Um, those of us who are quote unquote on the outside looking in to these people who are incarcerated. But I just want to explore just for a moment a little bit more about this 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 spiritual journey that uh, that some of the the inmates that that you that you walk alongside are are, are really trying to follow and and seeking God in the midst of this. And, and if we think about God's activity in their lives, uh, we, we think about you know if we look at Jesus Himself, it's interesting that when he announced his ministry, he said, you need to know, I have come to set prisoners free. Um, I mean, that was at the heart of kind of his sense of, of who he was called for. And these are the people that you spend every day with, and, and you walk through the prison halls, and not obviously now in this lockdown of this pandemic, but but normally, uh, I'd imagine that you'd be seeing the faces of the men and women there, and, and the men in your case. And as you think about their stories and, and why they are in those cells, what do you think Jesus meant when he said that, I've come to set the prisoners free? What, what was he envisioning that, that gives hope and inspiration to those who are incarcerated? Well, there's probably a bit of a double meaning there. I, I would tend to think He's looking at all of us in some sense of being prisoners to our own sinfulness or enslaved to our own sinfulness. And certainly guys in prison uh, as well have committed some crimes and and uh, and go, it goes back to our own sinfulness again, right, when we do something wrong. So he certainly needs, wants to set us free from uh, that first and foremost, I think, so that... Uh, we're not enslaved to sin. And I mean, that doesn't mean we're perfect, but certainly we're moving in a, away from sin and trying to um, do our best to, uh, uh, when we're tempted to not sin, to not step into it. And I think the guys in the prison are like that too. They've often had an encounter with Christ, with God, and uh, they're looking at changing their life and they're really serious i mean they spend a lot of time alone and in their cells they used to be called penitentiaries rather than institutions so they were for penitents and it gave people the uh, the prisoners the opportunity to spend time thinking about god and reflecting on their lives and looking at ways to make changes in their lives and i think uh, in the case of the guys that i work with uh, far and away, the majority, probably over 90%, 95% are really doing that. They're very serious. So they've been set free from that desire to to do wrong, and they're moving in a direction of wanting to do right and to do good in the community for others and for themselves, I guess, in the long run, and for God, and for God, who's given them that hope that they can have a different life. As I listen to you, Peter, I think there are many people skeptical of this idea that prisoners want a better life or even deserve a better life. I think many want the impression that prisons are dark, lifeless places where convicts spend the rest of their days as punishment for the hurt they've caused society. But this isn't how you see prisons. You are witnessing very real stories of people discovering their humanity inside these walls. Are, are there many glimpses of this, or should we be skeptical of any stories of redemption really happening 
in the lives of criminals. Oh, no, there definitely are senses of times of humanity uh, unfold all the time in the prisons, times of caring. The guys sometimes will, the prisoners will sometimes talk about the kindness of the guards, particular people, or a, or a parole officer, the goodness they've shown them, they know, or volunteers going in, or um, some of the chaplains that work inside too. You know, they're such important people for them because they restore their dignity um, to the prisoners, right? They treat them like human beings and care for them and show them love. And uh, I think all of us, you know, need to know that we're loved and cared for. And quite often, I think we ourselves can move away from God and from humanity when we don't think we're loved and cared for. And that's when we get into trouble ourselves and, and we start to perhaps not even like ourselves because of the things that we do right or that we do wrong until we realize again that somebody does love us and somebody does care for us and then we want to respond in kind. So no, that does happen in the prison. So when people go in or in the community too, we have different people from different churches um, that will accept a prisoner into their congregation and befriend them and treat them with kindness and love. And I mean, you, you go in with your eyes wide open, right? We're not thinking that everybody is suddenly a saint and none of us are, um, but we're going in thinking, well, let's treat this person with a, a, a lot of love and dignity. And uh, I, I find, like I said, at least 95% of the time, maybe more, that the guys respond in, in kind to that. You know, as I as as I listen to you, and I and I think about the the jadedness that um, does exist, and that that you're confronted with often, uh, even in the midst of these very hopeful and compassionate interactions between people, I think about forgiveness probably being the most difficult thing for human beings in our society to do. Why do we have such a hard time forgiving others? Why? Why wow. is it? And 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 on the other side, what enables human beings to forgive? Mm-hmm. I suppose for myself, it would be the sense of having been forgiven by God. You know, um, the offenses that I've made in my life, and knowing that God loves me in spite of that, uh, and loved me before I was sorry you know, for for that and uh, has shown me that love in countless ways. So I think knowing that God loves us and forgives us and has mercy on us and remembering that allows us to do the same for others. Um, and again, I, I think that as human beings, we go in with our eyes wide open and knowing that um, uh, that people aren't, aren't perfect, uh, but uh, trusting that we're doing the right thing. And I think when when someone has wronged us, we kind of are set free ourselves when we forgive. Otherwise, we're always harboring um, bad thoughts that just seem to recycle in our minds about somebody else until we can let go of that and, and start to think of something positive or good about the other person and, and find that forgiveness in our own hearts. So it's a... It's a it's a challenge and it's a, a good question and it's a very uh, a tough one 
for anybody to respond to. But I think the best way is to respond with forgiveness and love and knowing that we also uh, have been forgiven. There must be a reason you keep doing this 17 years later. What has it brought to your own life? Has it given you something? Do you see yourself changed for the better? Well, I've learned an awful lot from prisoners, from people that have offended. When when I see the, the remorse and the changes that they're making in their life, um, it gives um, me a sense of hope for myself as well. And for, I suppose, for humanity, we know that God is at work um, with, with us. God is with us in so many ways, right? So I think just for myself, I've done this so long, I felt it was a, a call from God and I wanted to respond to it. I've had different opportunities over the years to do different things, but I've just decided purposefully to stay with this. Um, it's it's good working with people that are are wanting to move forward and uh, in many ways they're supportive of my work i've learned uh, a lot from them uh, I, I think sometimes they've learned some things from me but i know that i've learned a lot from them through this work uh, a lot about life it's given me ample opportunity to reflect on my own life and my own behaviors and to look at myself uh, as honestly as possible because I see them looking at themselves very honestly and very, very emotionally with a lot of raw emotion when they look at the things they've done and they're sorry for that. Um, yeah, I think that would be how I would answer that question. Mm. So thinking about those listening right now, what what would you suggest to those who are trying to find faith through the stories of the men you minister to every day. They're, they're listening to you share about what you see and hear, what you encounter. Um, mm-hmm. What would you offer them to really focus on and, and, and to reflect on if they're, if they're trying to find something about um, faith and how they're called, being called to live their own lives? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that I've found about finding faith um, for people in prison is that God is is there, and he is certainly available to them. And when they do start to search and to look for God, God is, God responds. So I would say, you know, if you're, if you're really looking, God will respond to you, but just, just keep searching for God. Uh, I've had many, many people in prison tell me that uh, they're so grateful that they ended up in prison because uh, it gave them a chance to um, change their lives, first of all. They said they would never would have changed their lives, but also to have a different life uh, in Christ. They've got a different life by knowing Jesus. Um, sometimes God has just come to them in their cell and they've had an experience of God, or sometimes they've, they've prayed or asked God for something uh, as kind of a, a last last chance or last resort and something has happened and they see through um, that action on God's part, the the caring that God has for them. So I'd say that to anybody. I think God is certainly real. Uh, Jesus uh, died for us, um, went to the cross for us. 
and uh, so to be open, be open to that and uh, to talk to God about it and ask him to, to be part of your life and to come into, into your life and uh, see the response. Just wait and watch for the response. So not everybody receives visions and dreams like you do. Uh, I wish I wish we could all get it that clear, but don't. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would wish to. I've often asked God <laughs> <laughs> why He just doesn't reveal Himself to everybody very clearly, right? And I think perhaps one day He will do that for us. But there may be some people who are wondering if this might be a ministry for them. They're mm-hmm. they're listening. Maybe they heard something that inspired them, or they've been thinking about it for a while. What would you say to those who are considering this ministry? Um, how would you encourage them to to pursue it, or or maybe uh, some wisdom you can share with them as we as we close? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure every ministry is for everyone, so it's something they'd have to really discern and think about and look at their own lives and. Uh, I think there's a certain amount of compassion and uh, being non-judgmental or, or kind of an understanding of your yourself as uh, a sinner that needs God's mercy and forgiveness just as much as the next person. So if, I think if those are things uh, uh, that are part of your own character, um, perhaps trying to be non-judgmental, with people and accepting people where they're at at this point in time. Uh, this might be the sort of ministry for a person to go into. And there's a variety of ways, either through the diocese, um, going into the prisons or uh, welcoming a prisoner back into your own congregation, into your own church and befriending someone, um, attending church with them when they're coming back into the community. Those are the sorts of things that uh, I think a person uh, should look at and and consider some of the there are people that volunteer in the prisons and there's a variety of groups that go in so that's something that could be considered by individuals that are interested in this sort of ministry is there a specific contact uh, info that you can share with them if they were interested in in uh, pursuing this more and doing more discernment sure people could contact me and I could um, talk with them regarding it, and then if they're interested, I could certainly uh, talk about the, the the different ways that they can be involved. We could do a little bit of an assessment about what could work, and then I could refer them on to the appropriate place or see if it would be a fit for them to um, work with me with individuals coming back into the community uh, through their church. That's great. So, Peter, I'll, I'll be sure to leave uh, your contact information at the end of the podcast. Um, sure. For you now, could leave my email address, I think, would be best. Would be best, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, with my work, yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Peter, and I want to thank you uh, for taking your time to share with us and, more importantly, uh, for responding uh, to the call that, that God placed in your heart um, to be his, his voice, his hands of compassion, forgiveness, and grace uh, to those who are desperately seeking it. Uh, So may God continue to bless you on your journey. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for taking the time to have me on the uh, podcast. I appreciate that too. Oh, it was our our pleasure. And we'll look to, uh, we'll look to have you again. I'll be interested to hear how, how you continue on, on your journey. And in the meantime, uh, keep well um, during this, uh, during this time of pandemic. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You too. God bless. Thank you, Peter. 
If you want to learn more about the ministry that Peter does, how to support it, or maybe how to get involved yourself, you can find contact information at catholicyyc.ca backslash social justice. That's catholicyyc.ca backslash social justice. Or you can go to the description box of this episode if you follow the link to the podcast site, and there you will find Peter's information to contact him directly. We look forward to you joining us in our next episode of Finding Faith. Until then, take care of yourself and each other.